begin we shall. And uh, to be fair, I probably had the most sleepless two weeks of my life after the Silverstone Grand Prix because I was... Because when I, remember when I said that I was still waiting until after the, the race to, to gauge where McLaren were and I yep. still couldn't tell. I was yep. waiting. I was like counting down the days until Hungary just to see, okay, are they going to be as good? Are they not? What, mm. what, what are we going to get? Turns out, yes, they are. <laughs> I think that's what yep. we can say. Yeah. Um, and it, well, it appears that performance comes at a grave price, which we will discuss in a minute. So let's go through the current, uh, well, the, the, not the current, the actual finishing order, because nothing big happened because we didn't record the day of the race, which is a tradition mm-hmm. gladly broken. Mm-hmm. Um, on today's episode of the Max Verstappen podcast, uh, in the cooldown room, with him winning, it is uh, Lando Norris in P2, Sergio Perez in third, Lewis Hamilton from pole to fourth, a day of what could have been for him, Oscar Piastri in fifth, with George Russell, an impressive recovery drive from 18th to finish P6, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, Fernando Alonso, and Lance Stroll make up the points in piece 7, 8, 9, and 10. Alex mm-hmm. Albon, Valtteri Bottas, P11 and 12, with the, the returning Daniel Ricciardo in P13. P14 was an extra from the Barbie movie, Nico Hulkenberg, as I've called him. <laughs> and Yuki Sonoda in 15th, Joe you 16th, Kevin Magnussen in 17th, and Logan Sargent is last of the finishers in 18th, with yet another... A second double DNF in a row for the Alpines of Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly. And this time it wasn't Lance Stroll's fault, which is a very rare occasion. So I I mentioned having a very sleepless two weeks thinking of how good McLaren would be. Of course, it wasn't probably the same for you going to to create a lake, I can imagine. That's fucking gorgeous. So... Were you as, were you just as nervous as me? Because I don't I don't want to feel like I'm the only one here that was nervous for for McLaren's performance. No, I'm a naive optimist till the day I die. So I was just like, you know, you heard me last time. I was like Norris P1, <laughs> Oscar P2. <laughs> Firmly believed it. Uh, I wasn't nervous, but I was very curious. And um, yeah, so the re- so let's 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 parse out like why you're saying that you're pretty certain of the upgrades now, right? Is it because Hungarian Grand Prix it was not ideal conditions, right? Super hot track, super hot weather, and the McLaren car still performed very well. Is that basically well, your conclusions? Well, in a weird way, I think that kind of played into their hands a little bit because if you saw in in free practice three, the medium tires on the McLaren just just came alive. Like, yeah, they did. You had the top two of Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen on the soft tire, and then mm-hmm. two tenths behind them in third was Lando Norris on the medium. So I think, in a way, that definitely helps with tire warming, and they, they even looked good on the hards in some of the longer runs. But I don't know. While it wasn't favorable conditions like historically for McLaren, I, I do definitely think that, that for the points you just made, that's why the upgrades are now so much better. And it's why I genuinely think now they've got a chance of a podium in every race left this season. Because, it's looking like that, yeah. Yeah, because Silverstone and Hungary, while there are some similarities, they are definitely like there are a lot more slow speed corners, which is what McLaren struggled with in Silverstone, mm-hmm. and then it's just medium speed corners consistently one after another, which is again not where McLaren really were strong. They were right. it was the high speed corners and, and the the straight okay. lines where the McLaren really really came alive in Silverstone. So okay. a very different track is Hungary and. Obviously, you get both of them trying to downplay their expectations. Like, no, we're not, we're not going to be anywhere near as quick in, in Hungary. But they were. And that's why I think whether they're just doing, you know, the typical what Mercedes have been doing for the past, like, 12 years, where they go, oh, no, we're not going to have a championship winning car and then winning by, like, 500 points. 
unless they're doing that like I, I think that if they're going to get that surprised every week now we, we could see a race win maybe in the, in the last yeah. stage of the season yeah it, it is asking a lot looking at you know uh verstappen i mean he is not looking like he's slowing down we were talking about how he was a little bit nervous last race i guess the conditions are different track is different but he won by a, by a country mile this race yet again so uh who knows if 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 mclaren can take down verstappen but they're certainly looking like a podium each race and oh man i really hope oscar gets his podium soon because he was performing as well as norris it was just and he was actually ahead he was in second um, and then they did the Norris pitted first for tires and the very next lap Oscar pitted and just that one lap of difference of fresh tires on Norris was enough of a quote unquote undercut, even though, you, you know, it's not, not intentional, but enough of an undercut for them to swap. And then they never, they never swapped back. So I think Oscar will get it someday. And McLaren is looking really strong. Boys and girls, buy some merch in the Formula One store. Use the code that's posted in the description. We'll get all the fresh PC. Uh, maybe a therapist at this point, because uh, I think he's pretty tired of these PC crashes. Um, but yeah, uh, look look in the description for a link. And if you're planning on buying something, getting suited up, uh, do it with our link and we get like a tiny kickback and uh, just be really nice to see some support for the show. Also, if you're watching, uh, comment. Like I say every time, comment anything. We really want to build a community here. We want to see engagement and what you guys want to hear. Um, you know, one of the advantages to a small, uh, small audience kind of show like us is, you know, we're going to read everything. We're going to see everything. So if you speak up, you're going to be like, nearly a third person in the show right so uh jump on that opportunity you have your voice goes very very far on a small show like this what what minute are we on by the way what what minute was that oh um, good call um it's eight fifteen. i believe it was time. like so 12 was it like 12 minutes in yeah that sounds eh, right. congratulations ladies and gentlemen if you bought in on the 12th minute in the sweepstakes you've won <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh, no Piastri did actually get the better start of the, the two McLarens. He absolutely he bolted past Hamilton and up to second. Had Norris on his tail for the opening stint for the most part, but lost out in the first pit stops. You know, when Norris was called in first, had the fresher tyres, was able yeah. to warm them up a lot better. And, and from there, yeah. Lando was sort of able to extend his advantage and did well to hold off the uh, the charging bull of Checo Perez uh, at the end. But that's what sure. Piastri was, yeah. was carrying floor damage, actually, after going wheel-to-wheel -wheel with Perez and getting forced off on the exit oh. of Turn 2. Which ultimately cost him in his fight with with Lewis Hamilton, which is why he was he was so slow. But Lando Norris ended up saying after the uh, in the post race interview, tough race, not an easy one, especially with Perez catching. But he didn't have the pace to catch up in the end, so I'm happy. I think we're very happy with the progress we've made to go from where we were four or five races ago to where we are now, fighting for for poles and podiums. We'll take it yeah. for now and work hard to continue improving throughout the season. We've shown great teamwork. Everyone back in the factory did an amazing job. And now we'll look to carry these performances through to Belgium. One thing that, that it's, it's a price they've had to pay for, for their successes. And that is the cost of one race winners trophy. Oh <laughs> yeah. They had to pay for Max's. I, I, I would have assumed so. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the, the company that made them said, oh yeah, we'll get on re remaking it and stuff. Mm. Just get the hot glue gun out. Like just <laughs> stick the bottom back on. You're good to go. Yeah, but, um, no, you had it to was do it fantastic. when the trophy was yeah. like made of porcelain, right? <laughs> yeah, 
Well, that's his signature thing, isn't it? When he sort of swirls a bottle of champagne and absolutely bangs it against the podium, and it just comes flying up in the air. Yeah. That's his kind of signature thing, and he, he actually said it was Max's fault for putting the trophy too close to the edge. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is typical Lando, but they're, they're, they're good friends, aren't they? They're practically best yeah. friends at this point, and it, it's nice that they're able to just laugh about it, and, you know, I'm sure the team aren't. Uh, Christian Horner's a little bit upset, I would imagine, but... But no, a, a small price to pay for for a very big uh, victory for for McLaren. And, and uh, uh, speaking of very big victories, it was a big victory for Red Bull in the sense that history has now been made. They have broken yeah. McLaren's record for the most consecutive wins with twelve from Abu Dhabi last year, and now Hungary, and with the potential to to add to even more. And and, and moving on swiftly to to Red Bull in the smoothest transition you have ever fucking seen. Uh, but Max Verstappen muscled his way into the lead through the first corner and just never looked back, really. He, he built up that much of an advantage. His strategy was practically an afterthought and, and even picked up the, the extra point for the fastest lap. Mm-hmm. Where Sergio Perez had to work harder for, for his points, starting on the hards, running mm-hmm. along and just picking off cars later on on the mediums. Did come close to catching and getting past Norris for second, but the back markers cost him time and he ran out of laps to put pressure on the McLaren ahead. Now... I was saying before the race, it wouldn't surprise me if a McLaren win because it's Hamilton and Verstappen and they are just going to be Hamilton and Verstappen. Yeah, so I, that was I, a I don't lot know. of people. And, and, and one thing that I, I almost saw a Town 1 crash coming because Lando was sort of playing into it in the the pre uh, the post-quality interview, um, and he said that I don't have Bottas behind me this time. So yeah, I heard that. <laughs> yeah. um, and there was a little bit of bowling, to be honest, but from the other Alfa Romeo. Mm-hmm. Yep. But no, I mean, yeah, if Joe the McLaren's did the, start. yeah, he did. He went into anti-stall. Right. Um, but no, I, I was expecting sort of it to be a bit more competitive between Hamilton and Verstappen. I don't, I don't think I was mm-hmm. expecting Hamilton to just get swallowed up like that, especially because he did so well in qualifying and practice. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, it's, it's Max Verstappen, it's Red Bull. What did you expect? Yeah, I don't think I would, you know, I, I, I wasn't thinking that Hamilton would come out with a win, but I thought he would put up a little bit more of a fight he kind of like you said gets swallowed up right in the first few turns um but yeah his pace was his good it was good enough for pole but it was like only by what three thousandths or something it was like yeah it's and not like Lando Norris behind 89 thousands yeah so there was clear evidence that it would shake out you know in, in a competitive way up front it's not like Hamilton was going to run away with it yeah but uh so Joe got a terrible start because of anti-stall but then, by the end of the runway, I don't know if he was trying to make up for lost time and trying to get an extra meter out of there or what, but he just completely, <laughs> like you say, went bowling. Well, he and... had a bit of mentoring from his teammate Valtteri Bottas, and then a rear-ending Daniel Ricciardo, who mm-hmm. rear-ended Esteban Ocon, who mm-hmm. slammed into the side of Pierre Gasly, taking both Alpines out of the race. No, I, I didn't see that all the, the chaos behind, so I just thought it was both Alpines being a little bit stupid and <laughs> taking each other out. Well, it's uh, yeah, stuff like that it's has happened before. It's not something right? I'd be surprised by, exactly. Yeah, if we look back to Melbourne, holy mm-hmm. shit! Um, yeah, but no, it's, it's it's just, and especially because the big news that broke recently about Alpine as well, where they got that massive investment from from Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. or McElhenney. Yeah, they didn't need that at all. You know, the, things are just starting to look up for them. Okay, they haven't got the best car, but they were looking. Things were pointing in the right directions, and they go and get two double DNS in a row. Okay, one of them wasn't their fault. I mean, we have Lance Stroll to thank for, for Gasly and Silverstone, but sure. I don't know. Whether it's down to bad luck or just poor team management, what what, what can you do? 
Like, yeah, that's kind of a, just an unfortunate event. You know, it's not an error on either driver's part. Actually, if you watch um, Pierre Gasly, he was smoking around the side of everybody, and he was on the outside, and he was having a good time. I think he made up many, many places before he got hit by his teammate accidentally. And so. the, con- the collision, actually, which I found interesting after, it launched Esteban Ocon. Um... Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Have we lost him again? He's back. He's back. You know, I, I hear the creaking of his chair. <laughs> I thought I was safe because my th- he died before we started recording. Uh-huh. I thought I was safe. I thought that that would be the end of it. But, oh, no. Oh, no, not at all. No, not a chat. Because why would it, why, why would anything be safe? Why would I be safe in any... Why? Why, why would anything <laughs> go right for me when I'm trying to record? Why? It, you know, <laughs> why? <laughs> like, Ollie, you look like you're you about 10 well. feet tall It right always now. hits you just when you think you're out of the woods, just when you think you're safe. But, oh, no. No, no, no. No. I need that Nicholas Latifi sticker on my computer now. I don't have a pen and a post-it note. Otherwise, if I did, that would be all this motherfucker is known for. <laughs> when it's not the chair, the chair's been fine. I, I've got no issues with the chair now. Because there is a greater evil. That... Oh, no. There's a conspiracy in the world now. Like, There's the an evil power life? lurking just under and, the screen. I bet when I do this, this is going to go straight back down as well, so that'll give me another thing to fucking worry about. <laughs> did you... Yeah. Did, did you steal that you know, chair? I'm glad, from... you're laughing at, I'm, I'm glad you're laughing at my dismay, because really, otherwise, it would just, you know... What's the fucking point? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully that's the last of it. I wouldn't Hopefully. say, I wouldn't hold your breath. Um. You know, like when you go to Vegas and you've rolled three sixes in a row, you're going to get a fourth one? <laughs> I'm going to lose all I've got in the in the Caesars Palace. I'm losing everything. Um, yeah, see this house? It's not mine anymore. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, hey, yeah. Right. Uh, very, so- we're doing very well on the ad spots. Uh, I didn't subject them to another ad spot. I talked a little bit about uh, Alfa Romeo, and I was I was gonna read um, a quote that you have diligently typed out from Hamilton. But uh-huh. maybe maybe you have context around what you've typed out around Mercedes. Uh, well, yeah, kind of. I was gonna say because I even though I might buy some fucking pieces of merch now because my background here is getting a little bit boring. It's just a wall. Yeah, well, um, I've had various different backgrounds, so I don't know what's best. Send us a comment. What do you want to see? Do you want to see my messy background? You want to see the team po- posters? You want me to see me at work? You want to see me not at all? <laughs> you want to see me consistently not leaving every five fucking minutes? Yeah. Uh... They want to see you until your computer crashes, and then you just give me a call when it crashes, and I'll pop on, and you know, I'll just be <laughs> during those spots. And pretty soon, that's going to be about a 50-50 share, I think. <laughs> Right. Um, yeah. On the topic of, of of Red Bull, what we were talking about before, okay, it, it's very confusing because Max was like he was he didn't he did not like the balance of the car in qualifying. He was complaining yeah. on the radio, you know, after the session. Anytime you can possibly physically complain, he was complaining about the balance of the car. Mm-hmm. But then in the race, he said that 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 same balance of the car actually helped him. 
Which is why oh, I... Did they not make any changes to it overnight? No, you're not really allowed to. Oh, interesting. Um, under Park Fermi rules. But oh, I see. He, he said that, that what I think it may have just been a short run thing. Because, mm. obviously, low fuel, you've not got the best tyres on until Q3, which is when he was really struggling, to be fair. But he said that, I think that that car was just better handled for the, the longer, you know, you're fat with fuel. You you really like, you know, I guess heavy. I can believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it might just be better suited to the race. They've got a very good race car anyway. They've just got a very good car in general. But I wonder if I it's know. also something to do with he didn't qualify first. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to throw him out of the bus. He's clearly... Complain! Yeah. <laughs> the, claim, the complain button was real quick, right by his side. Like, it's like Hamilton and Rosberg back in the day. Um, but no, with, with Mercedes, uh, Lewis Hamilton ended up saying the balance of the car didn't feel great in the first stint. Had a lot of understeer to snap oversteer and problems with through corner balance. As the stints progressed, the car became more drivable. The final stint was much better, and if we'd have had that pace to I would have had a much better day. Which I very much agree with, because we saw that he, he wasn't great in the first stint. The two McLarens were pulling away at light speed, pretty yeah. much to, to Lewis Hamilton. Mm -hmm. But as the race transitioned, like and as the car got lighter, I think this might have been the opposite effect of what Max was complaining about in the Red Bull. Because mm. with, with Red Bull and Max... The balance wasn't great in the, the, the short the shorter qualifying runs, lighter fuel, and then it got better in race run. I wonder if it was the, the exact opposite, actually, for Lewis Hamilton, where he found it really, really nice to handle and, and really good to drive mm -hmm. in lighter fuel, shorter run conditions, quicker tyres. But then in, in terms of when you've got your full tank of fuel in and slower tyres and you're in the race trim... Yeah. That tracks if, if because has the opposite effect, yeah. Yeah, that tracks. He did really well in qualifying, and he was faster at the end of the race than the beginning. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, George Russell as well. Not people, not a lot of people talking about a very impressive recovery, getting twelve places from eighteenth to sixth, uh, putting his big brain strategy mind on, mm -hmm. um, putting him. Well, I don't know if it was him or if it was the wonderful strategical minds at Mercedes. Uh, he stopped last out of everyone who ran, uh, which gave him obviously a lot fresher tyres from the final stint, which was very evident at how quick he caught those Ferraris. Oh, even, I don't, I don't I think mean, I was watching the Ferraris. What happened with the Ferraris at the end? Well, Charles Leclerc, basically what happened with Ferrari is they remembered they were Ferrari. Um, <laughs> they call in Leclerc around half race distance, 9.4 second pit stop, mm -hmm. and then he comes in again to put the mediums on, Speeds in the pit lane, gets a five-second penalty. That's right, yeah, yeah. And then George was like, smelling blood, absolutely breezes past Carlos Sainz on the main straight with a possibly the best exit out of the last corner I've ever seen. And then just manages as well. I say just managed. I think it was like three or four seconds within the, the penalty range, but he does manage to take himself within penalty range of Charles Leclerc mm -hmm. and end up finishing sixth. So... I think we might need to drop the whole Mr. Saturday thing for, for George Russell now because that seems to just be a, like a Williams thing and <laughs> then he just did like fantastic qualifying in the Williams. If anything, now that should go to Alex Albon. Hmm. But George now is turning into a very good recovery driver when he has to. And honestly, I, I, I would say that he does better when he starts at the back than he does when he starts at the front. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Well, he did really well this weekend recovering. Uh... Yeah, Checo's recovery was incredible, but George is probably a nice follow-up. 
I mean, Checo did get a nice little golden star for finally making it through to, to Q3 for the first time in six races yeah. in the quickest car on the grid, you know, as you do. And another sure, thing sure. I, I was I was supposed to be talking about Perez is how much worse could it possibly have gotten for Sergio Perez? Because you, your team principal says that, okay, you know, we support him and, you know, we putting an arm around him, you know, we're, we're going to be there for him. You know, we need to get his confidence back. Yeah. And then on his first flying lap of the weekend, dips a tire onto the wet grass and completely yeah. fucks it into the barriers of the <laughs> entry right. to turn five. That's right. And then the little kid crying like it was Kimi Raikkonen back in 2017, also called Ollie, <laughs> ended up getting invited into the Red Bull garage for the weekend. What? Yeah. He he was crying. Basically, he cried when when Perez crashed out, uh-huh. and and Red Bull saw that, and they was like, "Okay, we'll put him in our garage." If that's all we have to do to get put in the garage, and wait, and his it was a little kid, and his name was Ollie. He was a five year old. Yeah, <laughs> my well, sister's gosh. five. I can take her to a race. Tell yeah. her to cry when someone crashes. We'll get in the garage because his dad got taken in as well with him, and he got to meet wow. Perez, meet Verstappen, and he met Horner and everything. That's cool. uh, I'm not quite sure he met Helmut Marco. He doesn't really seem like the type that would be open to a public interaction like that, but you know. <laughs> oh. That's pretty cool. I like uh, public outreach kind of, you know, feel good things like that. Because what does it cost them? You know, it's not Nothing, that big of yeah. a distraction or anything. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like to hear that stuff. But yeah, we, we were speaking of of Ferrari. They had a very tough day right. under the, the Budapest sun. Um, Sign started on the sauce and, and made an electric getaway, to be fair. Um just behind his teammate actually on, on different strategies and they didn't actually decide to to switch the drivers then leclerc's first pit stop obviously the 9.4 seconds and it required it there was actually they were trying to find a second wheel gun because the first one didn't really work right yeah ferrari stuff and they were loading the handgun with pasta as we speak <laughs> um and that put him again behind Carlos Sainz. The other way around, again, Ferrari said no, whole position. And it it was kind of a moot point in the end for, for Leclerc because he got a five-second penalty and dropped to, to George Russell. And I still, because I've made backup notes because the other one's gone back again. Not meaning my PC is going to crash again, although I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, no. Uh, no, oh, it, no. It's fine now. But I, I did manage to keep backup notes on my phone so I could read from those. Leclerc saying, I was quite happy with my pace in the first stint as we were managing things really well and keeping up with the cars ahead. Then we lost time on our first pit stop, which put us on the back foot, and I had to push to recover some positions. The penalty we got after the second stop was another thing that made things more difficult, so all in all, it wasn't a great day. And I feel like Charles Leclerc is getting used to saying stuff like that now after a race weekend. Sure, that it, yeah. it wasn't great. We got done by the strategy or done by a pit stop or whatever. And yeah. How, again, how much longer can he take this form of mental torture in the form of Scuderia <laughs> Ferrari? Yeah, I mean, that's been the conversation all season. Uh, do you think he'll move on after this season? Do you think it's becoming more and more? Clear? I don't know. I mean, he is, I've seen a lot of people say he is living the career of Jules Bianchi, which I, I do like. I think that's, you know, that that's really great because Jules Bianchi, obviously Charles Leclerc's godfather, and who was obviously tragically killed in the, the incident in the 2014 Japanese Grand Prix. So he and he was actually tipped to, to go on to join Ferrari and be a future world champion, as was Leclerc. But Ferrari just seemed to find a way 
just to take everything good about their performance and just completely throw it away. Just put it in the compactor, set fire to it in whatever way they can. They just <laughs> completely screw it up. And Fred Vasser actually saying that I have the feeling that we're not that far off the pace in terms of performance, but didn't put everything together over the whole weekend. Is it only just taken him until now to figure that out? Yeah, that's kind of been the story for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all strategy that usually Ferrari succumbs yeah. to. Ferrari don't deserve signs in Leclerc, I'm convinced. Hmm. Yeah, well, I think Leclerc, I think a lot of people would like to see Leclerc in a seat that uh, gives him more opportunity to to, to get race wins because I think that he's capable of that as a driver. Before I hit on the links with him and Aston Martin, we haven't seen any really real developments there. Speaking of Aston Martin, um, let's move on to them. Again, I'm the king of transitions. It just wasn't to be for, for Aston Martin. I mean, Alonso mm-hmm. couldn't take advantage of the absolute carnage off the line. And and from there, he was just managing his tyres for a lot of the race. I mean, Stroll managed to pick up places and did well to come home in the points from 14th. Uh, but an early pit stop, you know, it did pay dividends because the undercut proved very strong uh, yeah. at the Hungarian Grand Prix. But it yeah. just went on the pace of the McLaren and the Mercedes, which it's going to take me a while to get used to saying that people aren't on the pace with McLaren. It's yeah. going to take a long time to, for me to get used to that. Cool thing That's to hear. Cool. And yeah, they, they, I mean, they, they just haven't been, like, they've gone so far backwards from where they started the season. That yeah. They've got to be wondering why. Yeah. Well, have they, I was going to go look, Are they? have they bring on, brought any uh, significant upgrades? Because it kind of seems to me like they dumped their whole budget into their starting car. <laughs> and it's just slowly, you know, just fallen off the pace as other teams have upgraded their car. Well, that's the thing. They haven't even lost that much time compared to how good they were in the start. They've only lost, I think, uh, seven hundredths of a second over the course of a lap. But it's just because that everybody else has been taking such big leaps. McLaren, especially Mercedes, with their upgrades yeah. in Monaco. Like, yeah, it's not that they've fallen back as much as it is that everyone else has just outdeveloped them over the course of the season. Yeah, and I think that unless they get their shit together and do something quickly, they. They're going to end up a lot worse off than they think. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it just surprises me that they would go with that strategy. If that is, if that was a thoughtful strategy and not just like something's going wrong in the back end, uh, because like that's what's expected. Like the floor slowly rises, upgrades are brought, you know, through the season. So it's just a kind of an interesting, aggressive upfront strategy. I don't know if that's ever paid off for a team you know you do well in the first few races and then you're just irrelevant in the back end of the season what's the point <laughs> well michael schumacher knows all about that i mean he still holds the record to this day for for being the earliest to ever get a, a title in in uh, it's ever the earliest to ever wrap, mathematically wrap up a title i think he did it by oh. with like 10 races to go in 2002 wow so yeah, he, like obviously it, it can pay off to have a good car right from the start and then slowly drop off because you'll obviously accumulate a lot of the points at the start of the season and then hope everyone else is that far behind that no matter yeah. how much better than you they become, they just won't be able to bridge that gap. Yeah, I yeah I guess so. But it counts a lot more if you're winning because it's disproportionately more points. So if you're doing that and you're winning, that's that's fair but they weren't winning so maybe that was their thought their strategy is if we just get enough race wins in the front end of the season then yeah but i don't know that it's going to pay off for them so i'm excited to see what happens next year but i kind of expect aston martin to just slowly continue falling off for the rest of the season and become more and more 
you know, irrelevant, I guess. <laughs> Unless they, they introduce a lot of upgrades. And speaking mm -hmm. of, of falling off this time, we're broadening the time range. A team that has fallen off a lot, but he's slowly starting to rise back is Williams. Now, Logan Sargent was doing very well until he spun on lap 69 uh, and pitted to retire the car after flat spotting his tyres and overheating his brakes, which I thought was kind of silly because he could have gone for one more lap and just finished. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a weird... That's almost sort of like a slap in the face that he was told to do that. Yeah. Like, let him finish the race. It was almost At like least. they were... This is what that made me think of. They're building, like, a case so that when they, you know, let him go, it's a little bit more overwhelming. You know, it's like, you DNF'd <laughs> here. <laughs> it's like, hey, wait, come on. <laughs> One lap from finishing, you just told me to come in. That's what They're I slowly drip-feeding the excuses to get him gone. Um, yeah, I, I think that's genuinely what it was. No, but he's been doing well, though, as Logan Sargent. He's been actually... He's been doing, he's been doing right. fine. Talking about last time, uh, among all the rookies, um, Logan Sargent was doing fine. Oscar's obviously doing incredible. Mm. And, uh, you know, shortly after we were uh, bagging on DeVries, you know, that major change happened. And Daniel's in the seat now. So that, I think, was fitting. I kind of want to make an assessment on Logan. So okay. maybe being too harsh. Maybe they're not actually stacking up against him. Maybe he's doing fine. Also, though, the place and the way that he spun was kind of pathetic from what I saw. Yeah, it it's kind of a common place for, for spins in Hungary, to be fair. Is it? So you can you can give him that, yeah. Turn six. Okay. I mean, a lot of people sort of take too much of the curb on the right because you have the curb and then there's a little bit like that just goes up, like sort of sausage curb. Yeah. And you see people take too much of that, they end up bottoming out and losing it and going around. So you can give him that. Okay. But I All don't right. think this is necessarily the the worst rookie season we've ever seen. I mean No. Nick DeVries will tell yeah. you that. Um getting told yeah. to fuck off after ten races. Right. Which I still find sort of funny, but also I feel bad for the kid at the same time. Yeah. But again, like you're putting him against Alex Albon. And Albon yeah. has been doing like magical things. That's I mean, true. He's got a very like he's got a, a very troubled history with, with teammates because obviously his first teammate in Formula One he got absolutely destroyed by was Daniel Kvyat. Then you put him up against Max Verstappen. <laughs> what happens? What happens there? Verstappen pisses all over him. Uh huh. And then he takes a year off in DTM, which he won. Uh, he won that championship in 2021. Then mm -hmm. comes back, pisses on Latifi, mm -hmm. which. I've got a little interesting thing. I don't know if you saw what Latifi's doing now. No, I didn't. No, right. This is interesting. Nicholas Latifi has announced on his Instagram after like five months of radio silence, he's, he's risen from the dead to mm. announce that he's taking up a, an MBA at the London Business School. An MBA? <laughs> he's just yeah. doing a full career shift? Wow. He's going MBA. He says that he's not really retiring from racing, mm. but he feels like he wants to sort of like, because, you know, he's, he says he's been into business for a long time and he's taken a net. I might even try and blog myself onto that course just so I can say I'm in the same class as Nicholas Latifi. I wonder if his classmates know like who he is in the background. <laughs> oh, I would love it. Oh, they're taking, like they're doing a roll call, taking attendance, all of that. They'd call his asking, name last asking every who's time. Here. Nicholas Latifi, where and everyone just goes around and goes, way. Yeah. Yeah. But no, if what we put him in the charge him? of the. If we put him in the charge of business and finance and stuff, the stock market's going to crash quicker than he did. Oh. Um, get ready for mega inflation. Want to buy a loaf of bread? Want to get a pint of milk?
be prepared to bring a wheelbarrow full of money to the store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, okay, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but no. Um... Good for him. Good for him. I think, you know, it's uh, it says a lot, you know, getting back on your feet. And mm. he was the butt of a lot of jokes. And I hope he doesn't take all that too seriously. Um, and I wish him success in business. Maybe we'll see him owning a Formula One team. Oh, I'd love that. Oh, yeah. don't. Oh, that would be, be so, so interesting. Good. That would be like MasterCard Lola, but even worse. <laughs> Wait, oh, what? That would be like Life F1, but worse. Those two teams, MasterCard Lola, bit of a history mm -hmm. lesson. Okay. They Lola F1 were, were struggling, and they needed sponsorship uh, throughout 1994. Okay. But then they come through, and MasterCard, obviously, the, the, the credit card company and the bank... Mm -hmm. They go, okay, we'll we'll be a title sponsor. So Lola go, okay, that's fine. We can have a, a car ready with the new livery and all that, ready for 1996. Gives us a year to prepare. Everything's fine. Mastercard go, oh, no, 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 no. We want a car next year, 1995. And they go, well, hang on. We don't have enough time to get a car ready for 1995. Like, what do you want us to do? You're kind of like, tying our hands behind our backs and shooting us in the head with this one. So mm. that they, they, So is it so that the MasterCard was giving money and they yeah. wanted the sticker on the car as soon as possible basically. Exactly. They but they the say money right, that they're gonna, giving Yeah. Otherwise yeah. Lola would have gone under. And I MasterCard see. have gone right. Well, we're going to save you from that. We're going to pay off however much you need to and yeah. then give you our sponsor money. Um, I thought fair. I mean, if you save them from, you know, if they're the reason that they are even in the next season, yeah. there should be a sticker on the car. Yeah. Well, it turns out that Lola's warnings reigned true. They didn't qualify. I think they qualified for one uh, race because this was the time when pre-qualifying was still a thing. Oh. And I think they qualified, yeah, once for the 1995 Monaco Grand Prix through Perry McCarthy. Uh, if you don't know who Perry McCarthy is, by the way, have you ever seen Top Gear? Yeah. He was a stick. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, and then Life, which is a completely different kettle of shit. These, these guys made quite possibly, we talk about Haas having one of the worst F1 cars ever. No, the Haas seems like this year's Red Bull compared to the Life. Like, the 2021 Haas is like a Red Bull compared to the Life. Basically, Life, they... They, they, none of the mechanics or engineers were even qualified. <clears throat> the The team principal was some guy who got sacked from his other team principal job for <clears throat> basically being a fraud. Mm. And <clears throat> they built a car that was in some cases more effective at 80% throttle than it was at full throttle. What? <laughs> and they were that they they were that poor of a team, they had to borrow parts from the garage next door. Wow. So more effective at 80%? Does that just mean that like it couldn't stick on track when it was full throttle? It was just like an ice cube? It means, on... that, the, it means that the engine was producing more horsepower and more speed at 80% than it was at 100. Oh my god. You were going quicker. It, it, it was so unpredictable and it was just so bad. <laughs> yeah, they did not last long. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, history lesson over. Hmm. So you were saying that if Nicholas Latifi came back, he became Mr. Business CEO, and he bought a team, it would become like one of those debacles. 
It maybe, but yeah. also, I mean, I don't know because we haven't seen him outside of the car. We've only seen what he can do driving. I don't know what his business exactly. sense is like. Yeah, exactly. Know, you know, is it? Doesn't he come from it. some money? Yeah, I mean, all these drivers um, somewhat do, but doesn't he yeah, really I mean, come from his, some money? His dad owns Lavazza, yeah. the, the coffee brand, and his okay. mom, I think, either I owns have or that has coffee a, right now. A steak yeah, or something. Oh my god! Nutella. His mom's like really connected to Nutella. I see. Wow, chocolate and coffee—that's pretty cool. I mean, that's, if you're going to be known for things, that's pretty. That's yeah. pretty nice. Like, for all we know, he could be the next Steve Jobs. Like, who knows? Maybe, maybe Steve Jobs of chocolate. The eye yes. chocolate. <laughs> chocolate, coffee, and Formula One teams. That's... Yeah, that's so funny. He's like, he graduates from his MBA, and he's like, I have an idea. <laughs> Mommy, may I have your chocolate? <laughs> Daddy, may I have your coffee? Nutella chocolate F1 coffee. team. <laughs> Yeah, that's how I have one team. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, yeah, if he's any like, F1 I don't see any brown struggling. You know, yeah. get Nicholas Latifi on board of your um, board of directors, your investors, and then who knows? He's like, what's the one thing missing from the F1 grid that we have two of? Chocolate coffee, a brown card. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get sponsored by UPS. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've had no, enough to cool. hear with, with experimental liveries. Oh my god. As long as we don't get another repeat of that absolutely hideous uh Honda. I think it was a Honda mm. that literally just had a map of the globe as the livery. Oh. Huh. Yeah. It was I, I applaud Jensen Button for driving that monstrosity. Huh. Yeah. Let's see if I can find a picture of it. What year do you know? Uh, I think it might have been 2007. This one? Yes, that one. Looking like they'd went to picture of the day from NASA. That, and that, that's Google Maps car, that is. <laughs> wow. What a beaut. Uh, it's horrible. It's just, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's pretty funny. That is... Oh, my days, that's so bad. Uh, there we go. Get a nice little red yeah. X on Thank the Lord. They ditched that. Yeah. I think they ended up getting rid of it once they like realized, okay, not only does it look bad, mm. but it's giving us an absolutely terrible look. I think they ditched it after the German Grand Prix that year when it was notorious for, A, becoming an absolute skating rink at 10-1. I think six cars went off within the space of like 30 seconds. Mm. And B, another... I'm getting dragged into these history lessons. I'm sorry. Um... I'm here for Max it. Max Winklehock leading his only ever GP start in yeah. the Spiker, which is the equivalent of the AlphaTauri today, pretty much. Mm, I see. Right, they didn't become the team, but they were as bad, and wow. it got that bad that this was Murray Walker's like last proper like commentary. He came back for for BBC Radio Five to commentate one more race, and it was this one, and he sees that. Michael, Marcus Winklehock, because he never... No, he actually pitted cause they're on the formation lap because the race became... They started running on lap one. Mm -hmm. And he pitted on the formation lap to put wets on. So when everyone else came in, he took the lead. But Murray Walker didn't think so. He was just so used to seeing him at the back and stuff. And he was like, oh, yeah, Kimi Raikkonen's leading. Yeah. Then Felipe Massa's behind him. And then... No! Marcus Winklehock! What's he doing? <laughs> and then, yeah, Jensen um, absolutely bollocks it into the gravel. 
I who was his teammate that year? I think it was Fisichella. No, was it? Yeah, was he in Renault? No, Trulli was in the Renault. Yeah, it was Fisichella. Um, the mandatory is for missing grid spots, and they they both gone off, and they was like, right, we're getting rid of this. Let's go back to the traditional red and white that we've always had. Oh, that was a lot. Okay. <laughs> I love I love your memory, your history uh, lessons. I'm here for them every time. A lot of them come up on like my recommended feed on, on Facebook, and it's like highlights from the 2006 Monaco Grand Prix or whatever. Uh, just so that's how you keep yourself like, sharp. I see. Pretty much, yeah. Nice. But um, Alfa Romeo, speaking of red and white cars, even though it's mm. red and black, who gives a fuck? Um, with both cars, they, they had starting in the top 10. Hopes were very high after yeah. after a good qualifying, but they were dashed from the word go. Terrible start from Joe, obviously, with anti-stall. Outbraked himself into turn one and collided with Daniel Ricciardo's Alfa Tari, yep. uh, which was given a five-second time penalty for, for causing a collision. And Bottas also found himself slightly caught out by that moment and lost a lot of places. He did manage to recover somewhat and was on the fringes of the points, but did lose out to Alex Albon in the latter stages. And I'm not sure I've seen a team collapse that quickly from qualifying to the race. Um, Shout out to my boy, Kevin Magnussen. Yeah. But, well, it it didn't go well for them, to be honest. Um, I don't know. Like, Bottas saying that um, we had a good chance to turn a strong qualifying into points, but unfortunately the race got compromised on lap one just after the start. Joe, who was in front of me, had some issues with the brake system strategy, so I had to move around him, losing some momentum. On top of that, all the cars starting on soft tyres passed us quickly. I think there was only one. Uh, overall, our pace was not quite as good as yesterday, and it didn't really allow us to climb back through the field. There's a positive we will take us with us onto Belgium, we unlocked something more from our package on Saturday, so definitely the potential was there, and we'll aim to build on that. Of course, Spa will be a completely different track, but we will be working hard this week to find the right configuration to further progress and kick back right away. Which is good, you know, I mean, it, it shows that, the, yeah, they are able to unlock a lot of pace from the from the package, especially in qualifying, but like you said, Spa's just so different, and I don't think it's very feasible to, to compare what you uh like how you're gonna perform in spa based off how you performed in hungary unless you're probably red bull or mclaren at this point Mm -hmm. yeah well uh so i only have a few more minutes and then i really got to get my day started so let's bring it to belgium this next weekend which is the last race before the summer break for a month what can we expect at belgium uh, Red Bull domination, as per usual. I believe um, they've they've historically gone very well around Spa. Lewis Hamilton also knows his way around Spa. I think he's he's won quite a few races there, and obviously he's had a lot of experience. McLaren are a very, very interesting one because Lando Norris was again downplaying expectations, going, "Oh, don't expect us to be yeah. right at the front again in Belgium." And he says that because obviously there's a few more slow corners in Belgium. He says that ten one especially they're not looking forward to. Um. But again, there are a, a, a lot of uh, high-speed corners and a lot of big straights. Obviously, there's Eau Rouge, Radion, Camel Straight, and then Puon, which is a, the quickest corner uh, on the track once you exit it. So, I don't know. I am probably would expect, obviously, Max Verstappen to win. Um, but don't be surprised, obviously, if we see the McLarens back there and thereabouts again, even mm. if they try and downplay expectations and go, no, no, no. Don't, yeah. don't don't set your expectations that high so far. I've learned my lesson. 
from Silverstone to Hungary. And now I'm fully back on the, the McLaren hype train. Anything yeah. less than a 1-2, and I will be severely disappointed. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, I, I do get the sense that Norris... Um, uh, took a he was a little slow to believe in the upgrades himself and not that it would have changed the reality or the outcome of the races but i i i want him to start falling onto the other side and saying yeah we're competitive and i'm gonna bring the fight to verstappen because i think that you need that mentality and attitude um to actually you know go up to the front of the grid it's different than just somewhere in the mix of it like to actually start leading races it takes a mindset and i want to see that out of norris to me, I feel like he's expecting to be second to his best friend, and that's all fine with him. That's not all fine with me. I want to see him fucking win this thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I have said uh, a win is coming for, for Landon Irish, I think. And if he gets his head down and, and properly, you know, takes it to, to Max and to Red Bull, who knows? You could crack him, you know? Yeah, There's a lot I of pressure on, on McLaren now. Everyone's saying, oh, well, will they get a win? Will they get a podium? Pressure yeah. makes diamonds, and it can very much in this case. But anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for, for, for watching. We got there in the end. My PC did. didn't really, but yeah, we did. I mean, I, I'm leaving this episode on the edge of my sanity intact, so I'm calling that a success. Thank you so much for watching. Remember, we do have an affiliate link which you can click, and it will take you to the F1 store. There is a 30% off sale on most things in the store at the moment from now up until the summer break. So you can go on there, use our link, Get your 30% off, get items for really cheap, and give us some money as well to fix my PC and to fix Joel's whatever. I mean, he's got, um, <laughs> he was saying before that he had power outages so he could fix Joel's power poles. Yeah. But anyway, no, it's been, it's been fantastic. I've been Ollie, he has been Joel. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you next time talking mm -hmm. about Spa. Yep, this has been House Call Sports since we didn't really yes. do like a super. <laughs> No, we didn't plug the brand. I forgot. About yeah, it. yeah. That's my fault, though. I suggested that we did kind of a cold open, and then that just warmed into the talking about yeah. the race. So this has been House Call Sports. See you next time. See ya. So, Joe, I'm going to go to you, my friend. Who do you think are the best candidates to win this race? I'm really not having a huge high expectations for the Colts.